episode number 37, Sunday, July 15th, 2012. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show, and now here's your host, Tony Mutteroy, on XJTalk.com. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, gee, that's an old radio term, but uh, it's the future, and now we do podcasts. Of course, there is still radio out there, but uh, you know, I don't have that kind of money. Anyway, it's been a while since we've done a podcast, and I've been promising myself to get back on the stick. I've been getting a lot of compliments about old shows, and uh, thought that it might just be time to uh, get back in the saddle, so to speak. Anyway, we'll get started here in just a couple of minutes. Talk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. That's right. <laughs> I know it's cheesy, but I like it. <clears throat> but uh, then again, that's uh, that's me. I'm full of cheese. Anyway, so uh, as I said in the uh, the intro, we haven't had a, a show here in quite some time. I think the, the last one was at the, um, I think it was the 31st of uh, 2000, December 31st of 2011. Uh and I don't know why people say 2011, 2011, 2011. Uh, you know, you understand what I'm saying, I think. So uh, it is a Sunday, and uh, yesterday I did some uh, maintenance on the 1999 uh, Jeep Cherokee that my uh, oldest daughter has been driving for the last uh, uh, six, six, seven months. And prior to that, my wife was driving it. One of the things that I had... Uh, noticed uh, after getting it was a kind of a grinding noise not not really bad it was kind of a even a whooshing noise like maybe you would hear whenever a uh, the brakes are dragging but but not that loud and certainly not any squeaks anyway good friend of mine and uh, fellow administrator on xjtalk.com told me after after hearing it he says that's the uh, the axle wheel bearing assemblies that need to be replaced and I think that we had a, about 145,000 miles on the uh, the 99 XJ when we got it. So, um, assuming that those were the original uh, axle wheel bearings, they they probably did need, need to be replaced. I think that the I think that the manual calls for them to be replaced at a uh, hundred thousand miles. At any rate, I uh, ordered some uh, wheel bearing assemblies after I was a little I was a little puzzled. I would have ordered them a long time ago, but. Um, uh, I went on to um, rockauto.com where I get a lot of my, my parts, and they are not a sponsor here, by the way. And uh, I, I went to look, and they had good prices on uh, the Timken uh, axle wheel bearings, and, which is the only thing I, I want on my Jeeps. And uh, I uh, I priced them, and they, they were seemingly a lot cheaper than what they were when I bought them for my 98, but, but I may be remembering wrong. Uh, so I, uh, I was a little disappointed to see that there is a, a potential difference on the 99, whether the, the rotors are composite 
or if they're cast iron. Now, I've changed the rotors and the brakes on my 98 many times. I don't think I've done it on the 99 yet. And, and in fact, when I checked it here recently, they, the pads still look good and the rotors look great. But anyway, I had to remove the, the wheel and actually measure the rotor that was on there to determine if it was a composite or a cast iron. Now, it looks like cast iron to me. I mean, if I, if I understand composite, composite to me wouldn't be a metal that would be some sort of ceramic type thing. But maybe not. You know, that might just be my misunderstanding. At any rate, I took it off, and uh, apparently uh, halfway through the 1999 year, they switched from composite to cast iron. And then in uh, 2000 and 2001, they continued using the cast iron rotors. And they're slightly they're slightly different sizes, and if you um, try to put a, a wheel bearing, an axle wheel bearing on there that is not composite uh, or cast iron, it will um, bind up and not allow the wheel to turn properly. And I would think that, I would hope that it wouldn't let it turn at all, But because if it turns a little bit, that would just mean there's going to be a lot of friction and, and potential fire. But that's just my guess. It's nothing that I've experienced or read. But uh, needless to say, if there's friction involved in the turning wheel, that's not a good thing. A lot of friction. So uh, I took it off and looked at it. And, uh, you know, looking at the rotor, it just looks like cast iron to me and even had a, a flat um, they, they, it kind of looks like a hat, you know, where it's nice and, and, and a defined edge where it drops off from where the, the lugs go through to the uh, actual assembly or the actual potential uh, braking part. And, um, but I measured it, and it measured to, to the, what the composite rotor um, is supposed to measure. And I think that the, the difference is only a, uh, like uh, an eighth of an inch difference between the two. So... It, to me, it said composite. So uh, I looked online, and uh, of course, the ones, the Timken bearings for the composites were, you know, $20 more or $10 more. And uh, it also uh, it also surprised me to see that um, the 98 I had was a composite, which I wasn't given a choice when I ordered that one, so it made it a lot simpler for me. And uh, I looked, and, and the Timken uh, part number that I had on one of my old um, the old wheel bearing box that I had when I replaced it on the 98, that was the same Tempkin part number that was available for the 99. So it made it a no-brainer. I just ordered two of those. Anyway, got those last week. And um, I was going to order some uh, U-joints for the Dana 30 axle um, and replace those since you have to, since you have all that off anyway, it's just right there. And there's no sense in uh, running the risk of tearing up an axle uh, later by a failed U-joint. And uh, so I went by um, O'Reilly's and uh, picked up some uh, some U-joints. They didn't have the ones that I was uh, I wanted to get. I, I really would have liked to have Spicers uh, to go in there. But they didn't carry those. And I figured uh, as much off-wheeling, off-road uh, wheeling <laughs> my daughter does, these should be fine. And uh, worst case is I'll change them out again later. So... Um, they were the ones that are uh, the sealed units that uh, are not uh, greasable units. They have, uh, when I say sealed, they uh, they don't have a little fitting on it, so you can't grease them. Anyway, uh, and I, I picked up the big C-clamp um, <laughs> that I call it. I think they call it a, uh, oh, what is it, uh, a, a bearing compressor or something. Anyway, to me, it, it, it's just a, a big, uh, actually, I call it a big-ass C-clamp. And uh, fortunately, this time I actually had a, a half-inch drive that would be capable of uh, turning that thing where I could actually use it without just having to put a wrench on it and uh, pressure it uh, to get the, um, the uh, U-joints to, to slide out. And, uh, oh my God, it's just so much easier to use that thing than it is to use the vice. And certainly uh, <laughs> a lot easier but a lot less of a workout using a hammer and a socket. Um, something happened that I have never had happened to me before. And mind you, I've, I've probably only changed out, uh, uh, a dozen U joints, uh, in my life. So I wouldn't say that I have a lot of experience doing it, but, uh, one of the things on the, the first axle, which was the, the passenger side axle, um, I was, uh, sitting there on the floor and I had the C clamp, uh, on the, uh, the U joint. And I think it was the, it was the U joint for the, um, 
the main axle, not the one that holds the little stub. Anyway, I was uh, running the the half inch drive, and it it was just wasn't turning, and so I, I stopped. And the air compressor had come kicked back on, so I was going to let it pressure back up, and then maybe hopefully get a little more oomph with the additional air pressure in the tank. And I hit it, and uh, I just held it. It didn't. It wasn't moving, but I just held it. I, I think I could see that it was moving slightly. That the the big um, screw port portion that goes through the the C clamp was actually moving slightly, very very slightly. It might have just been wishful hoping. Uh, at least that's what I was thinking at the time. And then all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> and I thought, ah, good, it broke loose. And uh, I looked, and, and the cap that I was pushing on hadn't moved. And the piece that, uh, actually, I saw something shoot out the back end of the opening of the C-clamp and across the floor. And I thought, well, what what happened? You know, I don't understand. This thing doesn't look like it's moved. So anyway, I took the C-clamp off and looked, and the entire top of the cap had come off of the opposite side of uh, the U-joint. So apparently, the I was I was getting some motion into that, importing some, uh, uh, imparting some motion into that uh, U-joint, and it was enough where, and it was stuck so bad that the cap itself didn't move, but the end, the the top of the cap, like if it had a lid, like a mayonnaise drawer or something that top came completely off and left a nice edge. So what I, what I had there was a, a nice metal cylinder wedged inside the um, axle portion of the, uh, where the U-joint goes. And I thought to, thought to myself, oh, good God, why can't anything be easy? Uh, I got this uh, C-clamp, and, you know, I'm doing it with a half-inch drive this time, and, you know, it's just, it's not going to require any elbow grease. I just hold it in place. And no, nothing can be easy. And then, then I remembered I had to get a um, one of those little air hammers. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's a an air tool that has a chisel, actually several chisels, and you put it in there, and it just beats the hell out of something and cuts it or, or hammers it. Uh, very quickly and I thought hey man maybe I can use that maybe I can get out of more manual labor by using that so I went ahead and, and uh, forced the uh, the u-joint back the other way to get the other cap out and thankfully that one came out not not a big deal and I did spray them down with uh, WD-40 uh, prior to to doing it I, I never wait long enough before I start trying to um, move the things with something but I did spray them down, so maybe the additional time while I was working on the other one, or perhaps you know moving it slightly from uh, the the prior ten minutes, uh, made that cap come out okay, and, and that one didn't fail like the other one did. So once I had the 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 little stubby bit of the axle off, and I was able to take the the axle with the uh, nice metal cylinder where the the U joint cap should be, <laughs> I took it over there to the to the bench and put it in the vise. And uh, got my uh, little air, air chisel and uh, put the, um, I actually started with a, a chisel uh, to start with. And to my uh, surprise and delight, it moved very easily and very quickly. But it was, the thing was too wide and too big to actually get the cylinder completely out without it uh, beating on the, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the yoke. Would it be the yoke where the, the U-joint fits into so uh, thankfully, I had uh, another uh, bit that I could put into the air chisel uh, that was a kind of more of a point, and it's not a sharp point, but it's a lot smaller uh, surface area than what I had on there, because what I had on there was like an actual chisel. So I put that on there, and it, it took a little bit to get it um, on the just the metal cylinder that was stuck in there, but once I did, it came right out. Very happy, came right out, no problems, and it just goes to show you that the right tools make a, a big difference. Well, you know, I'll take that back. Even the wrong tools, if they work, <laughs> it's better than having a, a hammer and uh, beating it to death and perhaps doing damage to the, the yoke itself. So anyway, it slid right out. And uh, it seems like every time I do a U-joint, I don't, I don't uh, when I inst- take them out or install them, it always seems like I have to go through a relearning process because I just don't do them often enough. Anyway, uh, that by far... Changing out the U-joints was by far the most difficult portion of this job. 
but uh, anyway, I got the U-joint in, got the, the little clips, the little C-clips that, that hold the U-joint uh, each cap on, got those in. Uh, very happy with uh, the way it uh, looked and moved and uh, just had a good feeling that now uh, my daughter is going to be driving something that uh, is not going to fail. You know, whenever you, when you have something uh, that is over 100,000 miles, uh, it was at 150 at this point, you don't know for sure what's going to happen, especially if she goes any, uh, whoever's driving it, uh, goes any distance. Um, and I've, I've purposely asked them not to drive the vehicle very far and certainly not 20 miles away. Uh, although I have seen, um, um, individuals and XJ talk member, uh, that I don't want to mention any names, Scott, uh, driving, uh, his Jeep Cherokee with, uh, like a 45 degree angle on the driver's side wheel because the wheel bearing was so bad. And we certainly weren't at that. It was just making a noise and they seemed to both be making a noise. So, uh, one thing I did do once I got the, the bearing out of there, I took it and tried turning it manually and holding it up to my ear. And I could, I could hear, cause even though Matt's very knowledgeable about, about vehicles, I still doubted that that's what was causing the sound. So I needed to prove it to myself. So I held it up to my ear and I could hear kind of a little grinding noise. And the faster I spun it, the more grinding I could, I could hear. And also too, I could feel it in the, in my, my fingers where I was turning it. So, uh, I had an old bearing, uh, axle wheel bearing that it took off my, my 98, um, gosh, three or four years ago, I guess now. And I think had about a hundred thousand miles, uh, on the, the 98 at the time that I changed it. And I changed it because, uh, I, I was hearing a noise and one of the many things that people were telling me that might be the problem. One of them was the, the axle wheel bearing turned out to be a stretch chain, but that's a, another story. But anyway, I changed out both of the, the wheel bearing assemblies and I had the old one. So the old one with a hundred thousand miles on it, I picked it up, uh, took it out of the box. Uh, I only had one left cause I'd, I'd given the other one away to somebody that needed a, a wheel bearing. Anyway, I, uh, I took that one and I, and I turned it and listened to it. Couldn't hear a thing. Well, you could hear something, but you certainly couldn't hear that grinding and the, the kind of rough noise that I was hearing from the one I had just taken off the 99. And then I noticed the feel. It was very, very smooth. It wasn't quite as smooth as the new Timken bearings that I, that I just purchased, but it was still very, very smooth. And I, I tell you, that was a great thing to do because now I know that it is, uh, I know how it feels. And I know that if one feels all grindy and rough, then that's not a good, that's not the way it's supposed to feel. It's supposed to be nice and smooth. Now, I don't know what happened to this, this bearing. The, the 99 is very rusty on the, the axle, anything low and, uh, the brake area, all that stuff. It, it almost seems like it was, uh, sitting in water. Uh, now uh, I believe Matt had, had thought that maybe it just was sitting for a while. And I believe that the, the, the person that I bought it from had said it was sitting for a while. It just seems strange that it would be that rusty. And the only thing I can think of is it, it, it was not, it didn't, it wasn't up North at all. It's always been down South. And then if you're not familiar, uh, I'm located in the Houston area and w- the bolts don't get stuck unless they're, um, <laughs> unless they're shock bolts and then they break off like ever like they can do everywhere else. So, uh, I would not have expected it to be that way, but perhaps it gets that way because if you're not driving it, the, uh, oils that are dropped by vehicles on the road, uh, and you're driving through it, whether they're kicked up by the wheels, uh, your wheels or the wheels in front of you, there's, there seems to be a little oily mist, uh, that we're not really familiar with, uh, just by, uh, looking or even being out there on the, on the road, walking next to it. But I think that over uh, the great distances and the the oil that drops off of your vehicle, the oils that drop off the other vehicles, I think that over you know driving great distances, 5, 10, 15, 20 miles, it accumulates on the the undercarriage, the uh, certainly on the axle, and I think it helps lubricate stuff where it doesn't get a real rusty uh, color and texture. This stuff was really rusty. I was really surprised because it was not like what I'd seen on my 98, but I, I drive my, my 98 XJ every day and, and have, uh, since the, since we got it, uh, from the showroom floor. And, um, so anyway, I'm, that's my theory. I don't know, you know, maybe you have a different theory and, uh, you know, please, you know, feel free to share. 
Um, if you're not familiar, um, this, uh, I would think everybody would be, but if you're not familiar, this podcast really is in support of uh, our, our website, xjtalk.com. It's not the other way around. Uh, the, uh, the, the website, uh, xjtalk.com, uh, was started about uh, three and a half years ago. It's, uh, for Jeep Cherokees, but anybody is welcome to join the site and talk about, you know, we have a general talk section, you know, jump in there, talk about something interesting. And, um, but, uh, at any rate, uh, we do the show and I say we, cause we do have people on from time to time, uh, not today. But uh, we do have people on from time to time, and we do the show in support of xjtalk.com. We want you to join the site. We want you to join in, and uh, we even uh, would like for you to join in the show. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or corrections you would like to, to make of what I have told you or what you hear from a guest, you can call our 24-hour-by-7-day-a-week voice line at 530 675 four one zero two that's five three zero six seven five four one zero two and uh, chances are very good that uh, your voicemail will be used on one of the podcasts so you can actually hear yourself on the show you can also uh, send uh, comments um, on the website you can send them uh, via email just send them to comments at xjtalk.com and uh, we'll uh may read them, may answer if it's a question. So uh, it could be questions or comments. Just send it to quest, uh, questions. Just send it to comments at xjtalk.com. question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail oh red jeeps are sexy <laughs> yep red jeeps are jeeps are definitely uh, sexy and uh, you know we don't want to forget about the green jeeps either yeah, I guess green jeeps are okay. Well, they are. I mean, they're still they're still jeeps, so they're definitely okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's from my buddy in New Zealand. Uh, you know who you are. It shakes a lot in New Zealand these days. Seriously, though, we we certainly hope that the the seismic activity in New Zealand will stop very very soon. It seems like they've been having constant um, issues with uh, earthquakes uh, for far far too long. Um, but um, uh, Wayne there in Christchurch uh, in a previous show told us about the um, 
the earthquake, the very severe earthquakes that they had there. And uh, fortunately, there was no loss of life in the, the first major one, and, and sadly, the, the second one there was. But uh, if you haven't heard that, uh, that podcast, I, I recommend that you go over to xjtalk.com, go up to the very top and click on podcasts, which uh, may be how you, you got to this podcast. Uh, which, you know, we are also available on iTunes, so that it's possible that you, you got uh, the podcast from iTunes. But anyway, go to there and uh, look back, and you will see that we have um, an interview with uh, Wayne, uh, XJ Talk member and moderator, uh, xjtalk.com. And uh, you can hear firsthand how his uh, Jeep Cherokee helped him uh, get out and go um, collect his uh, mother-in-law and bring her back to his house and, um, you know, basically allowed him to traverse a very uh, dramatic and different landscape after the uh, the very severe earthquake they had there. So anyway, bring you kind of up to date on uh, things that have happened in the recent past. Um I don't believe we've had a show since um, we, uh, my wife and I purchased a 2003 uh, Jeep Wrangler. It is uh, not a Rubicon. It is not a, uh, what is it, LJ, the, the ones that are the, the long ones. Um, it's the TJ. And uh, I had wanted to get a, a TJ for my wife for some time, and it, it didn't look like we were going to be able to do that. And that's why I picked up the, uh, the 1999 XJ. In uh, my estimation, the 99 is the, the best uh, year for the, uh, the Jeep Cherokees. And that is because it is uh, OBD2. It is, uh, of course, the 4.0. I think they probably came with other, other than 4.0s, but that's the only thing that I would buy for an engine in a Jeep. And um, the 99 has the, uh, the full-sized um, port, exhaust ports. Uh, which they changed in 2000, 2001. And uh, it also has the um, curvy intake. I figured what it's called, but basically the intake that that uh, puts the horsepower back in. You know, and, and I'm thinking about it. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong about the uh, the head. I don't think that has the, um, I think that was the year before they put the, the 0331 uh, heads on the Cherokees, the, the 2000 and 2001 and those have a, a tendency to crack, and uh, I definitely didn't want that. So even though, uh, to me, the 2000s and 2001s are very, very nice, uh, I didn't want to get a vehicle that I was potentially having to uh, change the head on, and then also to find a, a different year uh, head. So anyway, we were very lucky to find the that uh, that 99 and, uh, and get that, and that was going to be my wife's vehicle until we were able to get the TJ. And uh, we got a, a, a TJ, and uh, you may be saying, what do I want to hear about a Wrangler for? I like all Jeeps. Well, I like all Jeeps that I consider Jeeps. <laughs> and that means they need to have a front axle, and that front axle uh, needs to be either a straight axle or four-wheel drive. Uh, I'm not big on two-wheel drive Jeeps, but I can't really fault a, a two, two-wheel drive Cherokee, especially because all you have to do is change out that axle uh, put in a transfer case, and I think you got to got to change the the back end of the uh, the transmission so it'll you know turn it into a four wheel drive. Uh, I just like four wheel drives. Um, there's nothing wrong with a two wheel drive uh, Jeep Cherokee. But anyway, my estimation is if it's got a front axle, it's a it should have a Jeep name on it. Um, if it's uh, IFS, it shouldn't say Jeep. You know, uh, Chrysler, Dodge, whatever you want to put on it, that's fine. Don't call it a Jeep. Uh, don't even get me started about the liberties. I, I, I definitely don't care for liberties, and it's very it's very much a emotional thing for me because the year that the liberties came out is the year they stopped, or I, no, the same year, but anyway, around the that either that year or the year after, that's when they stopped making the Cherokees. So the Liberty, which to me is a yuppie vehicle, was was made to replace the Cherokee. And they should never have replaced the Cherokee. They should never have replaced the 4.0. But we can thank our government for pushing uh, the standards of uh, gas mileage and so on and so forth. Which there's nothing wrong with that, I understand. But I want a vehicle that's going to be able to get me from point A to point B. And I want uh, power and torque. 
And I don't think that the 3.8, is it a V6? The 3.8 V6 does that. Um, I've heard repeatedly, and I've heard it on shows like Trucks, that the the 3.8 that's in the JKs is underpowered and is not the best engine to go in a Jeep four-wheel drive. But we go back to our government and the uh, MPG of the vehicle. And I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but here recently there is a uh, a push by Congress. Uh, I don't know if it's one congressman or more than one about the problem with death wobble. Congress is taking up death wobble, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> they they want they they in the article that I that I read it basically says um, vehicles with front axles are prone to having this what we call death wobble, um, and they're. And I, I know how I know how Congress works. They they're gonna want to uh, try to do something that is gonna cause. Uh, and it was specifically about the Jeep uh, JKs, I believe. They're gonna want to do something where they're going to try to make Chrysler. And I'm, this 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 is my opinion. I think this is the way that they're trying to go, where they're gonna try to make Chrysler not have straight axles for the front. So in the future. I feel that you will see Jeeps with only IFS. And if you want to put a front axle, which is what God intended four-wheel drives to have, <laughs> you're going to have to buy one, a used one, or find one on a wrecked Jeep and take off that IFS crap <laughs> and put on a front axle. Now, to me, IFS is not as strong. IFS is meant for um, comfort. It is also meant for uh, driving across uh, very rough terrain at, at very uh, high speeds. And there is Jeep speed. I know. I, I think that is a very interesting thing. It's not what I'm into. I don't want IFS. And I'm not planning on going out and buying a, a Jeep JK anytime soon. But I would at, li- at least like to have the ability to get one that is halfway what I would like to have. So anyway, going back to the TJ, that's why we got a TJ. I did not want a JK. Um, the reason why, they're really cool looking, especially like the four-door JKs. But the reason why is I have been told that the metal is much thinner on a JK. Again, weight savings, which equals miles per gallon. And also, too, the 3.8 engine that they have is underpowered. So what do you wind up with? You wind up with something that you either have to make a lot of modifications to or don't take it off-road. Now, I know that the JK owners, they they can take them off-road, and they do, and they're successful. It's still a Jeep. It's still a very capable vehicle. It's just not what I would like to have. I want the 4.0. I like the... um, the thicker metal of the the TJ, uh, because that means that if it is taken off road, it's going to be less, or, or I don't want to say less wear and tear. It's going to be less susceptible to metal fatigue because of that the flexing that happens when you take it off road. Now, truth be told, this is my wife's vehicle, and she won't even go with me off road. Uh, she complains whenever I drive drive us anywhere on road, but she won't drive herself. She wants still wants me to drive, but she likes to complain about how I drive. Well, you, all, guys, we know how it is. <laughs> now, truth be told, I drive fast. Uh, I see things very well. I make my, my strategy <laughs> getting to point A to point B, moment to moment. I feel very comfortable. She doesn't. Um, I don't feel that comfortable when I'm not in control either, so that's cool. I understand it. At any rate, the uh, the TJ we've been having a lot of fun with uh, building it up. I've uh, I understand it's not real body armor because it's just plastic, but I got uh, I got her the um, five piece bushwhacker armor kit, which basically uh, covers the uh, the rear quarter panels. You know the curve between the the, the side and the the tailgate. A little strip on uh, below the tailgate, and it's all uh, it's plastic, black plastic, but has the uh, the diamond plate simulation type thing on it. 
uh, got the uh, the ones that go along the side uh, down on the uh, the rockers. And uh, there's a little piece that you really can't see that goes uh, between the the front grill and the front bumper. I got a couple of uh, Casey lights mounted on the bumper, and um, we um, what is this? Oh yeah, the big deal was I put a a four inch in uh, 2.0 Rough Country lift on it. Oh my god! Oh my god! It took me three days. Three days to do that. Now, I think I could have probably could have completed it in two. And, and mind you, the first day was eight hours. The second day was 12 hours. And the third day was about seven hours, I think. Now, I think I could have completed it in two hours. Uh, I'm sorry, two hours. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> in two days. But those damn mother bolts <laughs> that hold the shocks to the body. Oh my God. You know, I thought to myself, hey, I got a half inch uh, uh, air tool here. I'll be able to take those, those guys off and I put the long extension on there and, and I hit it and uh, it turned real easy. <laughs> I was like, yay. And then I went, oh, wait a minute. That turned really easy, really fast. And then I pulled the thing down and sure enough, I just had a, a bit of uh, a bolt and uh, a nice uh, uh, nut for a, uh, a new hat for that bolt. So anyway, out of the, the four bolts that were holding the, um, the upper shocks onto the, the, the body, three of them broke. And I tried drilling. I drilled one, but I, for some reason, I guess the, the, the two drill bits that I had were dull, or they got dull while I was trying to drill that one out. Uh, I managed to get one. Uh, drilled pretty well through, but I just had to give up. I was so tired, and and it just wasn't going to happen. Really, the the entire the entire lift kit was done, um, with the exception of the shocks. And I was and just driving the the the, the TJ, backing it up, uh, so I could clean up the the garage, so I could put the TJ away. I was just really shocked at how bouncy that thing is without the shocks to keep it from bouncing. Um, all, all I was, all I went over was about a, uh, a one inch drop from the, um, you know, from the garage, uh, at the house, just backing up into the driveway and it really bounced. I was, it, to me, it would just be unsafe to drive. So anyway, I told my wife, sorry, you can't drive it. I'll, I'll finish it up, uh, the next day, went online and, um, I remembered, and I had seen this before, but I it, it wasn't something I had read in the pa- uh, in the recent past, so I've forgotten about it. But the 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 shock bolts breaking is a very common thing. So um, I had looked, and one of the things they had talked about was using a an air chisel to uh, just bust those things out and use uh, bolts and screws. So the next day was Monday, and I went to work, and um, they're uh, close to the uh, close to the work, uh, close to the place where I work is a Ace Hardware. And uh, so on the way home, I stopped by and uh, I picked up um, uh, some bolts, some nuts, and some lock washers that I could use to uh, replace those um, those bolts that I was going to beat the hell out of to get, uh, get those little nuts out of there and the little stubby bit that was left over of the bolt that was, uh, you know, inside those. And, um, yeah, come to think of it, that wasn't a, that wasn't a bolt and a nut that came out when it broke off. It was just the, the, the cap and the, the bolt that came off, make a correction there. Anyway, so, uh, while there, I was a little surprised to see, cause I thought Craftsman was something that was just sold at Sears and it's not apparently their, their Craftsman sold at various, uh, stores and, and Ace Hardware was one place that it sold at. So while I was there, <clears throat> I saw that they had an, an air chisel, Craftsman air chisel. And uh, it was more than what I wanted to spend, but, you know, come on. It may be more of a, a one-use tool, which turned out to be with the, the U-joint. And um, then I, I, it didn't come with <laughs> any chisels, so I had to spend, you know, like 25 bucks for three chisels to go in it. And I was a little concerned that it wasn't going to be powerful enough to, uh, to get those... Um, uh, welded nuts off and the little bolts that were sticking in them 
and uh, uh, reluctantly, because I was just so tired from working on the Jeep from the two days, but but interested, definitely interested in, in getting done with it and letting my wife get back on the road, especially with the, the lift, because the lift was really, really put that thing up in the air. I was really surprised how much difference it made. But anyway, I got the air chisel uh, and, uh, you know, turned on the air compressor and let it build up and then got under the Jeep. And uh, I hit that... Uh, hit that nut on the uh, where the the bolt uh, the first one I did was the one I drilled almost out so it was really easy to stick that air chisel in a little hole that I made and oh my god it was like almost instantaneous that it came out it was such a relief that I was able to um, be done with that when I had spent literally hours trying to drill that drill it out uh, before that point again the right tools for the job and uh, there's actually enough space between um, looking at from the from the wheel well in. There's actually enough space to be able to get a um, a nut in there and hold it in place, or you can even drop the uh, through the the hole that the shock top fits into. You can actually drop the the bolt in, and then there's enough space uh, to uh, get a wrench in there on it and hold it in place. So I was very happy with that because I was actually considering having to to drill a hole in the, the body in the, uh, the bottom of the, the, the pan or whatever you call it so that I could get to that nut, uh, either the nut or the top of the bolt. And I didn't have to do that. So I th- think maybe I spent an hour, uh, getting all those out and getting them out went really fast. Uh, getting the, the bolt in and bolting the shock down was the, the thing that took the longest amount of time. But certainly, after spending a couple hours just trying to, to drill out one bolt, um, an hour to get that done was, was nothing at all. And then it was ready. It was ready to drive. And, of course, I had brought my wife out and showed her the, the difference in, in size when I just had the, the coils on. And then, uh, I mean, the front coils on. And then I had her come out when I had the rear coils on. And then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it took a really long time, but I'm very proud of how it turned out. And uh, in fact, if you're curious at all about Wranglers, and uh, we have a, uh, a Wrangler site. It's not nearly as popular as XJ Talk. It's uh, quite a ghost town, actually. And the only thing I can figure is is that there's just so many Wrangler sites, so many um, uh, Jeep Wrangler sites, that, and there's people that really, really love those sites. Uh, it could just be an advertising thing that not enough people know about it, but it did not take off like uh, XJ Talk did. So if you are interested in being on a, a Wrangler site that is um, similar to the XJ Talk, if you're familiar with that as all, at all, um, then uh, please come join us at wranglertalk.com. And uh, it keeps the, the whole talk thing um, going like what we have XJ Talk, and it's uh, run by the same folks that do XJ Talk, and hopefully it's uh, just as friendly and just as interesting as, as XJ Talk is. And uh, you could be part of a site that grows, and you could say, uh, tell your grandchildren, yeah, I was on that site when it first took off. <laughs> but please come join us. It's wranglertalk.com. And uh, we're available on Facebook, both xjtalk.com and Wrangler uh, wranglertalk.com. Slow down and say the words, Tony. And uh, uh, this is a little outside the whole Jeep realm, but uh, keeping in mind that there, there are disasters that occur and sometimes, you know, it's great to have a Jeep to be able to, to get either uh, into harm's way or out of harm's way into for rescue type things. Um, it's uh, one big aspect of uh, disaster is communication. It's great to be able to get in and out of things, but things can happen. And sometimes you need to be able to communicate that you're stuck or you need help or an ambulance or whatever. So communications can be a a, a big part of Jeeps. And we have another website that has to do with ham radio, amateur radio. You know, those those guys that everybody makes fun of. It's even the Simpsons have even made fun of uh, uh, the ham club members that were... Uh, one of the nerds, but it can be very convenient and certainly uh, has a lot more range available than what a citizen's man radio would have. So anyway, we have a ham radio site uh, as well as the the Wrangler and uh, XJ site that is 
Uh, and this is a little obscure. <laughs> you may, unless you're a ham, you wouldn't get this. This is this is nerd plus. It's uh, it's actually the letter R in Mar in Morse code, and um, in Morse code, the letter R is uh, da dit. So if you think of the like the SOS type things, you hear the little tone. So the the tones they're either uh, a short tone or a long tone. So the the short tones are dits. And the long tones are DAS. So the name of the site is DI dash, the little minus sign, DAH for DA, another minus sign, and DIT.com. So it's DADADIT.com. DI dash DAH dash DIT.com. And, and, you know, just. Uh, you're laughing and you're going, why the hell did you pick something so obscure? Well, I couldn't find anything that was uh, like ham talk or um, anything that would have been, that would mesh well. And from my years of being a ham radio operator and knowing about uh, CW, uh, Morse code type stuff, uh, R is what you send in CW whenever the person you have uh, been communicating with, when they end their transmission and when you start yours, you send R, R, R. In other words, I received what you sent me. So it's a very common practice in uh, ham radio when you're doing Morse code, or it's also called CW, uh, to send that R. And ham radio operators will understand what the dit-da-dit is. And you can too. So this is another site that's actually uh, much newer than wranglertalk.com. And uh, if you're interested in ham radio, um, you might want to check it out. If you are a ham radio operator, uh, please check it out and jump in, especially if you're a, uh, uh, an off-road enthusiast. It doesn't have to be a Jeep. Uh, let us know what you do with your radio in your rig to be ready for disasters because that is a large portion of what ham radio is all about doing things communicating setting up uh, in situations where there is no power setting up antennas and communicating for people that don't have a way of communicating because the cell towers are down the power grids out um, the the normal ways that you would communicate like you do every day are not available ham radio operators can communicate around the world with nothing but their Jeep and their uh, high-frequency radio that they have uh, installed in the Jeep with a, uh, a whip, a bug catcher. There's all kinds of funny names, uh, screwdriver antennas. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's like, uh, it's like any hobby, I guess. There's uh, some really screwy-sounding uh, things that go along with it. And uh, if any of that interests you, check out didadit.com. That's D-I-D-A-H-D-A-H. DIT.com. If for some reason you can't find it, send me a private message on xjtalk.com. I'm Mudderoy, as in M U D D E R R O Y, one R, and uh, send me a, a PM and I'll send you the link. We'd love to see you there. Whether you're a ham or not, you're more than welcome. Same's true on the same is true on WranglerTalk.com. Whether you have a Jeep or not, if you're interested in being on the site, join. XJ Talk, exactly the same thing. People have things, interesting things to say and do that aren't Jeep related. We understand that. Um, there's other four wheel drives besides that. We have a general section. You want to come share how your uh, your Ford F one fifty, how well it does with on forty fours, on rocks and stuff. Uh, you know, pictures we love, interesting stories we love. You're more than welcome, and that's the hallmark of all the. Uh, XJ Talk, Wrangler Talk, and Dada.com uh, sites, there is no flaming. If there is a flame uh, on your post, it'll happen once because we will work with the individual that flamed you and hopefully we'll make them understand that we don't do that on these sites. Everybody has something that they find interesting um, and somebody else is going to find it interesting too, even if the majority doesn't. We want to respect our users. And our users, members, are very important to us. That's the difference that I want all these sites to be. I don't. I want everybody to feel comfortable about coming and asking questions, especially the dumb ones. Even though there are no dumb questions, P 
people still feel they're dumb and then they they don't want to ask because they're afraid somebody's going to say you're an idiot we don't do that on these sites without the members without the people asking the questions what is the point of having the site it's like being part of a a click unless you have new people coming in then doesn't everything kind of get static and boring you know everybody you know how they feel you know what they think you know what they do and there is nothing new happening well we don't want that we want new people coming in we want them asking their questions because you never know it could be a question that has never been asked before or perhaps there'll be an answer that the gods <laughs> that know everything didn't know so anyway uh, off the soapbox please come and join us um, we hope to have uh, a lot more of these um, podcasts coming up very soon uh, we'd like to do it on a weekly basis uh, I, I'm not too sure we're going to be doing that as of yet <laughs> I've got some plans uh, but I've had some plans for some time now and uh, haven't been able to carry them, carry them through but at least I got a podcast out today that's the big deal so uh, your involvement in the uh, the podcast is like on the site is uh, is very important uh, if you have some something interesting to talk about uh, on the show please contact me love to have you on uh, it doesn't matter where you are I can give you a call and uh, get you on the show, talk about what you want to talk about. Even there are international members, international listeners. Uh, We have Skype, and we can get you on through Skype anywhere in the world. So if you'd like to share something with our audience, please, you know, check in and uh, let us know what you'd like to say and what you'd like to talk about. I'm sure it would be... um, a lot more preferable to listening to me drone on and on. So let me just do the questions and comments things here one more time so everybody knows where it is because it's uh, we really, really, really would like to hear from you. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. Yeah, do that. You can also just leave a voicemail and say you'd like to be on the show leave me some way of uh, contacting you email would probably be best um, and uh, we can get stuff set up uh, email and then uh, maybe talk on the phone a bit and then uh, record your um, question comment or even longer Um, we've done 30 minute 45 minute uh, interviews before so you got something to say we'd love to hear it Anyway, until next time, I want to thank you very much for downloading and listening to this podcast and uh, hope to speak to you again really soon and, of course, see you on one of the sites, xjtalk.com. Ooh, red jeeps are sexy.